0: Hope. Talking about prisoners of hope. And uh, when I think of hope in my life, and talking about a prisoner of hope, I I guess uh, I was someone that had a little bit of uh, growing up, and uh, and my natural bent was to kind of be a little pessimistic. Very realistic. And uh, also, I grew up around a lot of people that had despair. And so, but yet because of my faith in God at a very young age, Uh, I had this natural bent in me, but yet it seemed like there was something that kept coming up so no you can't give up you can't quit and I I guess I picture it like this that that I'm walking along and hope if hope was personified hope would be like wrapped around my waist and hope is like saying I'm not going to let you go you can't get away from me that easy Shannon and and that's the picture of hope and also being a prisoner of hope I just can't give up. I can't quit. I uh, went to my little uh, American Heritage Dictionary that I was given in my freshman year of college and uh, looked up hope It said this. To wish for with expectation. Mm, okay. A desire accompanied by some confident expectation. All right, Something that is desired. Mm. Three, one, that is source or reason of hope. Well, it didn't really satisfy me. It just didn't work with Language that really communicates to my heart. I looked up in the Greek and I read some of that And anyway, uh, so anyway, I, I, I went to the Rekriti Dictionary uh, This is uh, and uh, this is what I came up with hope Hope is a hunger or appetite with a belief of being filled or attained And then also for me sometimes it helps me if I know the opposite kind of the antonym and despair despair is hunger or appetite without a belief of being filled or attained. Hope describes not only the anticipation of something good that's coming, but it also describes the ground upon which hope is based and the object upon which hope is fixed. And of course, in my life, that has been Jesus Christ. For Americans, many of us have seen hope fixed upon things that have failed. For the past 200 years... Human progress was the hope of many, but that progress didn't stop famines, wars, or stop the breaking of hearts. More recently, in the last 75 years, hope has been education in America. If men and women just have knowledge, then they can pull themselves up out of the mire. But as we've seen in the information age that we've been indulged in with the internet and deluded with, just not deluged, deluged with... Access to more information hasn't stopped greed, hasn't stopped crime, hasn't stopped the powerful from preying upon the weak. Some of us have grown up around people who have seen these and other false hopes fail. And they've fallen into, into despair because of that. And growing up in despair sometimes leads to cynicism and sarcasm that likes to beat the hope out of us. And I think a lot of us have had that happen to us. We think it's silly to hope. And we become so sarcastic and so cynical. We don't want to have any kind of hope. Probably because we're afraid that it won't be filled. And again, my definition, that's despair. And I believe that God's people are not to despair. And really, to despair, as uh, what was the lady in Hannah Green Gables said? She said, uh, to despair is to turn your back on God. I haven't forgotten that. Today in the next few weeks, we want to talk about hope and a hope that is fixed upon God, grounded and based in the reality of God's word. I know that for many, when you hear about hope in a church context, many people think of hope, the hope of heaven, and it's far away, a hope that only seems in the distant future. Let's talk about hope not in the context of church okay? Let's talk about hope in the context of biblical Christianity, And in that, and for Christ followers, hope is not just for the hereafter, it's for now. Hope isn't just there, out in the distance. Hope is right here. I hope that in this series, in the Prisoner of Hope series, we're going to look at four friends that hopefully will inspire you to know how to live with hope. They live with hope that is here and a hope that is there and hope that is everywhere. The lives of these four friends were immersed in a hope that allowed them to be agents of change for God's kingdom. And their stories are recorded in the book of Daniel of the Old Testament scriptures. Overall, the book of Daniel shows that the rise and fall of nations are all in God's hands. And that he and his kingdom is unshakable. So just like us who have seen the coming and going the rising and falling of all sorts of cultural trends, we can know that there is one we can put our hope into, one who is unchanging through all the shifts that we experience. We're specifically going to be looking at the lives of Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These three, Daniel and his three friends, who I think we have a lot in common with, maybe more than we realize. As we begin to look at their lives, we'll begin to know how to live as people of hope, with a hope that is here. And I, I just want to pray right now, just as we get started and I, and I share some things with you. Lord, I, I have just a bunch of words. They're in my head, they're in my heart, they're on pieces of paper. And Lord, just, they're just going to be words that just flop out and land on the floor. unless you help pull these things together and help it to make sense to someone's heart, and to their spirit, and to their mind. So Lord, I just ask that you please help in these next few moments. I just ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, Daniel and friends were living at the end of an era where Israel's independence as a nation was coming to an end. God tells this Jewish nation, Israel, that he will be sending another nation to punish them for their disobedience for the past few hundred years. And during an invasion by King Nebuchadnezzar, all the young men of noble families were deported from, a, from the land of Israel to Babylon, the capital of Babylonia. Babylonian Empire at that time. It was coming into its great strength and to its height Sometime around 605 B.C. Daniel and his friends were probably around 16 years old when they're deported just young men And they were taken from their families and thrown into a totally different culture They never saw their homeland again. They were never able to return although there were other Jews who were able to They served under three different governments one of those administrations, being a Persian administration, after the fall of Babylonia. A lot of people, a lot of ideas, and a lot of hostile environments came and went. But these four guys remain. And I want to look at two of their stories today to figure out why they remain. And of course, you know, it has something to do with hope. That's what we're talking about. But as I share this story, I hope that the way I tell it, that it will make you want to look and read it for yourself. Because you'll say, man, he's making that up. That really didn't, that wasn't in there, was it? That isn't how it goes. And so I hope you will. It's Daniel chapter 1, chapter 2. And I hope sometime later this week you'll check it out. But the first story picks up in Daniel 1. And it's really a story about a minor thing that turns into a significant issue of integrity. And something that I can see many of us running into. Sometimes we look at these Bible stories as, Great heroics and great these great people of faith that were superheroes of the faith. But this first story, I can see happening to any one of us here. So Daniel and friends enter the Babylonian re-education program, a state-funded secular university. How many of you are in school right now, working on a diploma, certificate, degree, something like that? Something. All right, there's a few. Well. Pay attention, because you might discover how these guys learn to live with hope in the education years. First thing that happens with Daniel and friends is that they have to go through some aptitude tests, uh, some Babylonian SATs. And Daniel and friends were naturally born with some smarts, and so they do well. And they're chosen and accepted into the king's school for a three-year program. And this was all in the hopes that maybe they'd be accepted into the king's administration. And, you know, just like there are many people vying for positions in, in the latest presidential administration. So, no problem here. They whiz through the SATs. They get accepted into the school. And then the next thing for the boys gets pretty personal. As a part of the re-education program, they want to change Daniel and friends' names. And that, that gets a little personal. I would I'd probably have a little problem with that. But, you see, all four of them had Jewish names that gave honor to the true God. But the king's official gave them Babylonian names that contained parts of names of the false gods of Babylon. Daniel's Jewish name meant God is my judge. His new name, Belshazzar, meant "Bel protect his life. Daniel's friend, Hananiah, which meant the Lord has been gracious, had his name changed to Shadrach, which meant command of Aku, a Sumerian moon god. Mishael, which meant who is what God is, had his name changed to Meshach, which meant who is what Aku is. And Azariah, which meant the Lord helps, had his name changed to Abednego, servant of the Shining One, another God of Babylon. It was all part of trying to make them forget their heritage, forget their God, and to remind them they were under a new rule. It's strange, but Daniel and his friends accept this. They don't put a big fuss about this. And I kind of wonder, you know, if they had just something inside them that said, you know, you can call me whatever you want, but I'm never going to forget who I really am. I wonder if they just had that. But then there's a surprise. One last thing in the re-education program throws a monkey wrench into everything. It has to do with eating the daily amount of food and wine at the king's table. Daniel and friends take issue with this, and they just want to eat vegetables and water. Now, what's up with this? I mean, they they went through all these major hurdles, and then we come down to this minor issue. What's the big deal? I mean, why not win in Rome, do as the Romans do? And besides, you know, they're at school. They're away from mom and dad, and that state is really looking good. I mean, why make waves and draw attention to themselves? I mean, besides, there's really no option, right? You buck the system, and the school officials will throw you out of the program. And in truth, really, these four young men could really, I mean, the reality would be that they'd probably be executed. I mean, there was a a no-tolerance policy at this school. But for some reason, Daniel and friends resolved in their minds to keep them faithful, keep themselves faithful to God. And their faith was real. It wasn't just mom and dad's faith anymore. Mom and dad were far away. They weren't with them anymore in Babylon. We're not really sure what the problem was with the food. It could be that the food and drink had been offered to idols or been blessed by pagan priests before him, which according to Jewish law, to eat it would be a compromise of their faith. Another possibility is that to eat the king's provisions from his table would mean that they're pledging their loyalty to the king and would make them obligated to their service, not a choice. So whatever the reasons, Daniel and the friends realized that to eat what they were offered would result in defilement. And they took a stand. But because of their resolve to be faithful, because they had some moral backbone, they had a plan to present to the school officials. And this is where hope comes in. You see, these boys just didn't have a plan. They had a hope in the here and now. Not just a hope there in the afterlife. They were exiles and prisoners in another land, but even when circumstances were difficult, they didn't let go of hope. They knew that things could change. And we don't have to accept this. They, were saying, they weren't saying, saying, well, you know, if we were back home, we wouldn't have to deal with this. Wham, 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 wham. They weren't saying that. They were prisoners of hope. They believed that things could change in the here and now. They couldn't stop hoping in the God of all nations who didn't have a problem about their location. God had it under control where they're at and where they should be. But it was... He was more concerned about who they were going to be and what they were going to be. Nebuchadnezzar had some plans for these boys and what he wanted them to be. But I want you to know that God also has some plans for these boys and who they are going to be and what they are going to be. And I think this was part of the problem, a part of the test that God was seeing, what he was going to do, and how these boys were going to respond. But one thing you should know, as little boys, Daniel and his friends grew up in Jewish homes during the reign of King Josiah, who I'm sure that their parents told many stories of as an example, as a young man who grew up in evil times. He didn't grow up in a godly home. Josiah had some parents that did some pretty wicked things. But then he turned to God, and he influenced a nation to turn to God. In their homes, they were taught the ways of God and how to pray. It was part of their elementary education. But when these boys were uprooted and exposed to Babylonian culture in their secondary education, Daniel and his friends didn't succumb to the culture. Even though they were taken out of their safe environment and placed in hostile circumstances to their faith, basically served the king or died, they still honored God. They lived in the world, but they were not of it. And as you read in chapter 1, you'll find that Daniel and friends didn't reject Babylonian culture out of hand. While they objected to eating the king's food, they didn't object to reading the king's books. They didn't object to listening to his instructors. And they didn't object listening to the king's ideas and considering them. The four friends were able to reject what was unworthy while retaining what was useful. One side note about going against the grain like these guys did. Daniel and friends didn't function alone. I know some of us have a real desire to go against the grain. We like to do it hero style, American cowboy style, independent, all by myself. I'll do my own thing on my own man. Tell you what, I don't think that's going to work in the long run. It might work for a little while. And Daniel and his friends knew this. They didn't function alone, but they acted in partnership. Daniel was definitely the spokesman and leader, but they were a team. Some of us would fare much better if we had some comrades like these guys. Well, the story ends well. Hope allows the young men to see a creative alternative to their superior's command. They say, hey, how about 10 days we'll do our diet, vegetable and water, and at the end of the 10 days, you see how we do. Now, the guy who was over them was saying, man, if I, you know, if I do this, man, the king's going to have my head. I'm supposed to make you guys fit and looking good. So I said, 10 days, just try it. And for some reason, this guy, who's over them, their superior, says, all right, we'll try it. Maybe in other circumstances it wouldn't have worked. But these young men had hope in a God who could change things in here and now. They were able to meet the authorities' needs while still maintaining their integrity. I know sometimes as Christians, we, we kind of get in this, uh, what do you call it, uh, protest mode. And we want to protest everything, just like Luther did hundreds of years ago. <laughs> we just want to protest everything. But Sometimes maybe we just need to ask God, what's, what's the creative alternative here? How can I meet the, meet the wishes of those who are in authority over me, and how can I still keep my integrity with God? I think sometimes God might surprise us with an answer. Now I want you to know in some of the later stories, there were no alternatives. I mean, it was a direct conflict between God's authority and human authority. And that's where some of the exciting stories happened with Daniel and friends. Let's just walk, you know, this first story, very simple, could happen to you. Maybe in your school, or in your workplace, or in your neighborhood. Just a small issue with authority. But second story. Chapter 2 of Daniel. Some time has passed. Daniel and friends have graduated with honors. Daniel finishes first in his class with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego coming right behind him. They're all offered great jobs as consultants in the king's administration. They're in the corporate world now. And how many of you have a job in the workplace right now? Some of you? Most of you? Good. Well, pay attention because you might find out how these guys Learn to live with hope in the workplace and hope that it's still possible to honor God in your workplace. Daniel and, friend, Daniel and friends got great jobs. But guess what? It's tough because the king wants some results. He's saying, come on people, produce the numbers. That's what he's saying. The king has a dream and he's tired of all the babble interpretations that his astrologers, psychics, and sorcerers were giving him. You know, he's just saying, hey, man, I can turn on the TV, dial one to hear garbage like that. So he says to his administration, I had a dream, and I want to interpret it. But I'm not going to tell you the dream, because if you guys are for real, you'll be able to know what I dreamed. So tell me the dream and interpret it, and if you don't, I'm going to kill all of you. I'm wiping out the whole administration, starting over new. Sometimes I wish that could happen. <laughs> so... All the Babylonian advisors told the king what he asked was impossible because only the gods could reveal that kind of thing. The king was so furious he ordered the execution of the whole administration. Now Daniel and friends being freshmen in the administration had held back at first, but now something moved them to step forward. Hope in a God who could do something about circumstances in the here and now. Their hope was for here and now not just there in the hereafter after they had been executed. A hope that is only there would look at the situation and say, "Eh, I guess that's it. Nothing we can do. Nobody can do what he demanded. We're all going to die anyway. Might as well be now. Looks bad here right now, but I'll just keep my hope looking forward to heaven. That's what a hope that's only there says. You know what a hope that is only here says? A hope that's only here says, there's nothing beyond this life worth looking at forward to, so let's do whatever it takes, no matter who we have to step on to get there, no matter what we have to scheme or what principles we have to break for the sake of here and now. Because this is all we got. But a hope that is here and a hope that's also there at the same time says, you know what, there is a way God can make for us. I don't believe that he's done with us here yet. Let's take our stand. And if it ends up being the finish of it of us, and it is the end, then so be it. If this is our last stand, it's only going to get better from here because we're just going to meet God you know, in this life. So, The king's secret service starts rounding up all the administration for execution. And the chief comes to personally bring in the king's favorites, Daniel and friends. Daniel speaks up to the king, asking for time to reveal and interpret the dream. And because the king likes Daniel, he gives him the time, gives him the green light. The other guys in the administration didn't get that extra time. Why not? Maybe God was working some circumstances for him. What's your first response when you're in a tight spot at work? You know what Daniel does? At this moment, Daniel doesn't seek out someone with position. He doesn't seek out someone with power or someone with money who could help change his circumstances, which probably would have kept him from trusting God. Instead, he sought out trustworthy friends who offered godly advice and most importantly, joined together with him to enlist divine help to understand the king's dream or otherwise be delivered from death. These three friends who shared his space were there in the past and were that now there to fight a spiritual battle against despair and defeat. Simply put, they were his partners in prayer. Well, Daniel and friends prayed, and as the scripture says, they plead for mercy from the God of heaven. Their hope was that God would care. And God did care. He answered the prayer, and Daniel revealed the dream and interpreted it. And everything turned out all right. But God cared not just about four Jewish young men. He cared about a nation. As Daniel spoke with the king, he was always sure to give credit where credit was due. He gave credit to God for revealing the dream. And then it was God who gave the king his position. And he spoke boldly about that to the king. He didn't back down from it. Daniel and friends were not priests, though wasn't their profession to exercise their faith in their day-to-day work they were just ordinary guys but they seemed aware of a larger picture and purposes beyond their immediate circumstances immediate circumstances like god they're going to kill us help god used daniel's hope to live and through that hope was revealing himself as the true god to king nebuchadnezzar King Neb says to Daniel afterwards, Surely your God is the God of gods and the Lord of kings and a revealer of mysteries. For you were able to reveal this mystery. Could you imagine your boss saying something like that to you? Some of your co-workers. Maybe some of your employees. Maybe some people, some friends at school. Your teachers. Some situation arose. And they were able to see... God working through the circumstances and acknowledge that he was great and good and they said something like that that would be, cool. be so cool as people of hope Daniel and friends influenced the king of a nation and also rescued the lives of the king's administration and I want you to know that many in this administration gave occult based advice competing with Daniel's godly, godly advice But Daniel stuck up for them anyway. Mm -hmm. He saved the lives of his enemies. And the story for the moment ends well. Daniel's promoted to CEO. He doesn't forget to mention his friends, who also then get big promotions. Happy ending, right? Well, there were some tense moments there. Things that weren't so happy. Remember, they were delivered from death, but they weren't delivered from the threat of death. God doesn't promise us anymore. Okay, what does this all have to do with us? God's people are to be a people of hope, not despair. How did Daniel and friends hang on to hope when they were in a place that they didn't want to be? Their identity and heritage is being stomped on. They're educated in a secular school that's working against their beliefs. They're working in a hostile environment to their faith and having their counsel frustrated by competing co-workers. How did they remain people of hope in the midst of all that? They stood firm in this knowledge and in this truth and in this reality that God is in control of our present circumstances. He knew exactly where Daniel and friends were. He hadn't forgot their address, and even in the midst of punishing the nation Israel, God still cared for individuals within that nation like themselves. Daniel and friends' strategic placement is a reminder that God never leaves himself without a means of accomplishing his purposes. He has a way of placing the right person where we would least expect it. Maybe he's got you placed at a certain school, a certain neighborhood, a certain workplace, to be a person of hope for here and now. No matter what hot spot in the world we may point to, the likelihood is that God has one or two of his people strategically placed in the center of it. And maybe... Maybe we need some problems and issues like Daniel and friends had so that we could have an opportunity to hope in a God who could change things and reveal to others a God who cares. But my guess is, for all of us here, is that we probably already have some circumstances. We probably already have an issue somewhere, a problem somewhere. And like Daniel and friends... We just need to have some hope that God can make a difference in what's going on in our situation. Hope. It's a hunger or appetite with a belief of being filled or attained. Have you lost your appetite? Do you need to ask God to give you an appetite for hope back? Have you been walking and living in despair? Just thinking... This is just the way things always are. My life, this is just the way it is. This is the way it's always going to be. My family, nothing's going to change the situation there. They just can't see. They just can't understand. Is it your school? My school, and just the people that are just. Your workplace. And there's just there's things set in motion, and I can't go against it. Your neighborhood. And I, don't, I don't know what to think about my neighborhood in your city. It will always, will it always be the same? Or can it change? Can God change things? Have you ever imagined things better? Can you try? Can you hope for better? I hope things are better than they are now. I look around, and there are things I can be thankful for and grateful for. But I hope things that don't stay the same. I hope they don't stay the same for this city, for my neighborhood, for this church, for my family, for the people I know, for the people I work with. My hope is not just out there. My hope is right here, right now. And that's the God I pray to. And it makes a difference in my prayers when I'm a person that has hope. Because I'm talking to a God those unlimited resources, a God who is great, meaning he can do anything, and he's a God who's good, that he actually cares about me, even though there's this whole gigantic universe that he's got working, he can look at the minute and the tiny, and he can look at my situation. And I want you to know, he can do the same for you. And I hope God will re-engineer re-engineer your view of him. And that you'll begin to see him as a great and good God. And that he'll start renewing your hope. That things don't have to stay the same. Let's pray.